We're going to be in Acts chapter 4 today. Grab a Bible, open to Acts chapter 4. It's about, uh, I don't know, about three-fourths of the way toward the back, if you're unfamiliar with where it is. In the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 4. This is one of my favorite passages on prayer. Uh, in fact, I believe this is the third time that I've preached this uh, particular passage since I've been in Scottsville, so in five and a half years. We're going to have a different angle on it today. If you joined us last week, uh, you know that we began a new series. Our new series is called Reviving the Mission. And as you think about a church, every single church at various points in the life of that church have to look at the mission and what they've been called to do and what they need to do, uh, according to God's Word, to see that mission revived. And last week we talked about how we have to be an effective church, an effective church is a missional church. And over the next several weeks we're going to be looking at different aspects of what it looks like to be an effective church, what an effective church does according to the Bible. And so this morning we're going to be, of course, looking at prayer in just a a few moments in Acts chapter 4, excuse me, Acts chapter 4. And as we think about this, um, I was thinking about this week, I, I don't know how much TV you all watch, but if you watch much at all, you've probably seen some reality shows. And uh, of the reality shows that I've watched or enjoy watching, sometimes I watch these cooking shows. Now, I'm not a cook at all. Uh, My wife does uh, pretty much all the cooking in the house that doesn't require a microwave. Uh, if If it takes a microwave, I can cook it, but that's about it. But I enjoy watching cooking shows, uh, mostly because you see some dishes that you would never probably see yourself trying, and they're they're unique in a lot of different ways. And if you've ever watched these cooking shows, uh, you know how they work. They have uh, usually three judges. They cook certain dishes for these judges. They present the dishes to the judges, and each dish is judged on different aspects. They look at the presentation of the food. They, looked at, they look at how well it's cooked. They look at uh, all the different parts of the item. So usually it's not just one particular entree. It's a whole meal that's presented. They look at all of those things, and they taste it for texture and overall flavor and those kind of things. And when they're judging it, they usually provide some sort of feedback. And the feedback that they usually provide especially includes if as they're tasting it, they notice that some sort of ingredient is missing. And if there is a key ingredient missing or something that would have made uh, the dish better, they will tell them, hey, you should have included this. This is missing from your meal. And that ingredient, as I said, they would try to hopefully include it next time. Well, as we think about an effective church, what it means to be an effective church, there is one ingredient that all effective churches have. One ingredient that all effective churches seem to have, and I think it's very interesting that when you pick up a church revitalization book or a church growth book, it typically doesn't matter what author that you read, if they've done their research, because almost every church growth, church revitalization book will say that a key ingredient to any movement of God in a church, a key ingredient to any growth of the kingdom in a church is prayer. That is one thing that every single book who 
like I said, who the author has done research, will include as prayer. And let me tell you that that is not uh, part of the ingredient because the research says so. That is a key ingredient to what it means to be an effective church because that is how God has set it up in his word. He tells us in the Bible that effective churches are praying churches because God has ordained prayer to be one of the ways that he works through his people. 1 Peter 3, verse 12, part of the verse tells us that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. And so let me say it again clearly. An absolutely necessary ingredient in church growth and church effectiveness is prayer. If you show me a church that's reaching the lost and baptizing new believers and seeing God do some amazing work through them, I will show you a church that is regularly in prayer. There is no other way around it. In fact, this is exactly the kind of church that we find in Acts chapter 4 in the early church because they knew that prayer was important. They had seen God work through their prayers. And this morning, we're going to find some crucial and powerful results of corporate prayer. Now, let me say specifically, uh, there are different, uh, I guess, aspects of prayer when you think about it. There is individual, private prayer, which I hope that every single one of us are doing regularly throughout your day, like multiple times a day. I hope that we're all individually praying in our private lives. But there's another aspect of prayer in the life of a church, and that is corporate prayer, praying together for God to do something, praying together all like-minded and all toward the same goal, the same end. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning is corporate prayer. And so before we get into Acts 4, I want to bow for prayer this morning. And so if we could all bow our heads, I want you to pray as I pray out loud. I want you to pray in your heart that God would move in our service today and God would move through his spirit and through his word. Father, as we think about worshiping you, Lord, I know that as we come before you and look at your word, Lord, your word changes people. Your word changes hearts. And so, Lord, as we look to your word today, I pray that for every single one of us, that your word would change us through the power of your spirit. And that, Lord, that each one of us as individuals and as a church would see and realize the importance of prayer. And, Lord, not only that, we pray that as we begin praying for you to work in us and through us as a church, and as we continue to pray that, Lord, that you would answer our prayers and that you would hear our prayers. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to be jumping in the middle of Acts 4, verse 23, but before I do that, I want to kind of set up uh, the story of what's going on here. Many of you all may know that Acts, uh, in that particular book, is really the story of how the early church was established. And God was doing some incredible things through the early church, through the outpouring of his Holy Spirit within them, and they were seeing thousands and thousands of people uh, come to know Christ, even in the midst of the most severe persecution that you could ever imagine, even in the midst of them being ostracized from their culture and from society. It seemed like it was, at that time, everybody against the Christians, yet God's word 
word and his message was still moving forward and the kingdom of God was growing like no other time that they had seen before. And so at this point, uh, you'll look at uh, Acts chapter 4. If you look at the very beginning of the chapter, your, your heading may say, say something like Peter and John arrested. So Peter and John and many of the apostles were preaching and doing miracles all in the name of Jesus. And they, the government and the officials, all of those folks uh, in that surrounding culture at that time were trying to shut down any talks of Jesus that they could. Anything that had to do with Jesus, they were trying to stop. And so Peter and John, they were arrested for preaching and for healing and doing miracles. And they were put on trial. And as part of this trial, they were threatened and told never to speak the name of Jesus again. Never to do anything in the name of Jesus again. And they were told, basically, that you will suffer the consequences if you don't stop. And so they were released, and at this point, now we pick up in verse 23 to where they went after that. And I'm going to be taking this kind of section by section here, and we'll talk about it as we go. Verse 23 tells us, after they were released, they went to their own people and reported everything the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you're the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. Now, I want to pause there right in the middle of their prayer because I want you to see and think about, before we continue in this prayer, what was going on here. These apostles, after they were released, their first response was to go back to their church family. That was their first response was to go back and tell them everything that had happened. And I want you to think about this for a second. These people were close. These apostles, their church family, like all these Christians were very close in their relationship. If you think about the people that you're the closest to, chances are you're the closest to, to the people that you have gone through life's ups and downs with you know the people who have been there through the highs and lows of life and you've been through some stuff together those are the people that you are often the closest to and that you often care about the most and those were these people again think about all that they were going through at this time all the persecution all of the the community and culture coming up against them Basically, the fears and anxieties and struggles they had, they all shared in those, and they were taking care of each other's needs. And they had also committed to practicing, in the midst of all this, certain spiritual disciplines together. They had committed together to do certain things. I want you to keep your finger at Acts 4 and turn back just a page or two to Acts chapter 2. And look at verse 42, where it tells us some of the things that the early church committed themselves to do together. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. These things were all going to be super important to that early church, and they're all super important to us today in our church. These things, devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings. In other words, the teachings of the Word of God, we're going to hear them, we're going we're to commit them in our to our hearts, we're going to live them out. We're going to be devoted to that. We're going to be devoted to fellowship. 
to spending time with one another, to caring about one another, and, and you know, having meals together, those kind of things. And we see that there through the breaking of bread. That was meals. That could also be the Lord's Supper. Then we see, lastly, it says they devoted themselves to prayer. And that's what we see on display now in Acts chapter 4, that they were devoted to prayer. And so immediately here, in verse 23, the apostles went and told the other believers. And immediately, they all decided the same thing. They all decided that we need to pray. And they were all together with this decision. And so when we think about corporate prayer, when we think about praying together as a church, when we think about committing our hearts and minds to pray regularly for the same things, don't miss this. I want you to listen to what corporate prayer does. We're going to look at different results of corporate prayer today. Corporate prayer can unite a church. Corporate prayer can unite a church. Now, there are two aspects of church unity that we need to be aware of. The first aspect we see in verse 23. Look at what it says again. They went to their own people. You see that there in verse 23. They went to their own people. The Greek there actually shows a possession of something. In other words, what it's saying is they went to the people that were theirs. They went to their own people. It was like a, a possession. They, they were theirs. And if you think about what a church family is, what a church family should be, it should be just that, that we all belong to each other. We all are here for each other. We all are committed to each other and care about each other and, and going to have concerns when someone else struggles. We're going to rejoice when something good happens for someone else. That is what unity is partly about in a church, that we are here for each other and with each other going through life. And so, of course, they loved each other. And as I think about our church family, I would say that we love each other. We care about each other, right? And that shows by, you know, I went to the funeral home just this past week, and it was great to see a number of our church members stopping by to visit some of our church members as they lost a loved one. I've seen church members visit with folks in the hospitals and, and different things and just uh, be willing to sign up to take meals and care for each other and different aspects of those things. Like, there are a lot of things that we do to show our love for one another. I think another thing that shows our unity in this aspect is we're not fighting all the time. You know, there are some churches that you go to that all they seem to do is fuss and fight. And it's very evident that a church is disunified if they're, not, if they're fighting, if they're not getting along. We know that churches should be a place of love and, and caring about one another and not fighting. But then there's another part of unity that we have to understand as well. So there's one part of it that's we love each other and we're getting along and those kind of things. But there's another part of it that is just as important. Look at verse 24. It says, when they heard this, what did they do? They raised their voices together to God. When they heard what was going on, they raised their voices together to God. They prayed together as a church. They saw the same goal that they all wanted God to move in the midst of this situation, and so they went to God in prayer. Don't miss this. 
the church must have more than just relational unity. We must have missional unity. Let me say that again. The church must have more than relational unity. There must be more than church to church than just getting along. We have to have missional unity, which says that we are striving toward the same goal and the same mission together, and that is to grow the kingdom of God. Can we say amen to that? That is what we're called to do. And so we can't just say that, well, we get along and that's all the unity that we need. No, we need missional unity. We have to be unified in our mission. And let me just say, uniting a church together on mission having this type of unity, praying is part of what gets you there. Praying and submitting yourself to God is part of what gets you there. And that's why you see that in any effective church, they're going to be praying. Because praying unites a church on mission. Because we're all praying and, and moving our hearts toward the same goal. And God uses prayer to align us together. You probably heard the old quote that the Maybe the couple who prays together stays together, or the family who prays together stays together. You all have probably heard that before. And I would say that's true of a church. And the reason that's true is because God uses prayer to align, to align us and to unify us. And as we're praying for God's will together, it aligns our hearts and our missions together. And we have to be a praying church because corporate prayer will build our unity. It will build our unity, not just, again, in caring about each other, but it will build our missional unity. And that's what they had. They had committed themselves to prayer, and you see how committed they were on, on praying and on mission here when they decided to do this together. Look back at verse 24. It says, When they heard this, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you're the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them, you said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For, in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel Assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus." This was the end of their prayer, and as you imagine, all these people praying together, and I don't know exactly what this looks like, we see one recorded prayer here. So it might have been everybody like praying in the, silently where they were, and one person was praying out loud. It might have been an agreement in spirit. It might have been that somebody prayed part of this, another person prayed another part. But we see everybody praying together corporately, at, at the very least in spirit. And what were they praying for? What were they praying for? They weren't praying, God, please remove these threats. They weren't praying, God, please protect us. They were praying primarily, God, please work your ministry and your will through us. 
In spite of all these things, they were saying, give us boldness to do what you've called us to do. Give us boldness to speak your word and preach your word in the midst of a culture that doesn't want anything to do with you. Now imagine if a church together really prayed that and really meant it. And not just praying it one time, but continually prayed it. God, help us to do your ministry, to do your will together as a church in a culture and in a community that for the most part doesn't want anything to do with you. That's what they were praying. And what would happen if we prayed that and really meant it? Well, what happened here, as we'll see in just a moment in verse 31, that God began to pour out his spirit and answer their prayer, but what happened in the midst of this prayer is that the church members, as they were praying, their hearts, their wills began aligning with the heart and the will of God. The, the church, as they gathered together, their hearts and their wills began aligning with the heart and will of God. What God wanted them to do is what they began praying to do and what they continued to pray to do. And so they were saying, God, we want our church to be what you want us to be. And so here we see the next result of corporate prayer, and that corporate prayer can align a church. And if you don't know it, let me say, for a church, alignment with God is absolutely critical. Alignment with God is absolutely critical. Imagine for a moment that you were tasked with the responsibility of laying railroad tracks for several hundred miles. And you began with that first set of tracks and you made sure to get the measurements as far as where they were supposed to lay and how far apart they're supposed to go and, and you put them down. Yet you failed to measure the angle that each one of them were laying. And let's say that you, you know, from the, the eye as you look at it, everything looked straight. Everything looked like it was supposed to look. And as you began laying those, what would happen if the first one, the angle was just a little bit off? As you lay them, the further they go, they would drift more and more and more apart. Why? Because the alignment wasn't as it should be. And let me just say, for a church, our alignment with God has to be exactly where it needs to be. Otherwise, as our church goes further and further and further down the road, that alignment will get more and more and more off with the Lord. Now, there are certain times in a church's life where you have to stop and you have to get realigned. You have to stop and say, God, are we where we need to be as a church? Am I where I need to be as a church member? And in those times, we have to come together and pray together if we want to be more effective for the kingdom. An effective church will be aligned with God, and our hearts will be regularly aligned with his through corporate prayer. Now think about this for a second. We talked about this some last week. If we really believe that we can do nothing without the Lord, like if we really believe that, won't we regularly be going to him together in prayer? 
Like if we really believe that we cannot be effective in our mission as a church without God moving through us, wouldn't we be regularly coming together to ask him to do just that? That is what we're called to do. And as a church, you know, I look at things like, you know, our prayer list. We talked about that this morning, and that's important that we're praying for one another. But it goes even beyond that. We have to be regularly praying for our mission together as a church. And last week, I was so encouraged to see folks coming forward and praying for our church. And let me just say, I want to encourage us to all do that for this series that at the end of every sermon as part of this series that we come forward and pray for our church because prayer is an effective key uh, or is a key to seeing our effectiveness for the kingdom. We have to be a praying church because that's going to align us with God. And there is no shame in coming forward to pray. You know, I always uh, thought in my mind, I remember like as a kid and as a teenager, somebody walked forward thinking, well, I wonder what they did this week. You know, like, wonder why they're coming forward to pray. It must have been something big. You know, I remember thinking that, but here's the thing. I think the person who comes to pray or sits in their pew and prays or wherever, the person who prays is better off than the person who isn't praying, right? No matter what the reason for the prayer, the person who prays is better off than the one who isn't. And so I think for all of us, We have to commit ourselves to keep asking, seeking, and knocking as God's word tells us to do. And that's what this church was doing here. And look at what happened to them in verse 31. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. Let me read that again because I don't want to make light of what this says. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. It was obvious that God was moving. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. Now what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I want to talk about this just for a moment because this is important. There is part of being a Christian that when we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of us. And he does. He lives inside of us. That is an indwelling of the Spirit. Every believer, every Christian has the Holy Spirit within them. Yet, however, when you look at different parts of Scripture, you see this word that's a little bit different, being filled with the Spirit. And in these moments... It's like God, when he answers prayers or when he does something in the midst of a situation and fills people with his spirit, it's like he's giving them an extra dose of power or strength to be able to do what he's called them to do in that moment. It's like God is just pouring out his spirit on on the people in an even greater way. And we see this multiple times, but one of the the instances, if you jump back up to uh, verse 8 of Acts 4, It says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. When he began to preach this sermon that got them in big trouble, he was filled with the Spirit. And now you see in verse 31 that the people were filled with the Spirit. And so being filled with the Spirit is God empowering you to do what he's called you to do. And so what do we see that corporate prayer was doing for these people? Corporate prayer 
can revive a church. Corporate prayer can revive a church. Now, let me just say, this wasn't the first time that this happened to them. Look back for one moment at Acts 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Look at what it says. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Here in this instance, we know that's Pentecost, and they were able to preach the gospel to people of many different languages, and people understood in their own language the gospel. Why? Because the Holy Spirit filled them. He empowered them to do something even bigger. And so here we see a separate instance where the Holy Spirit is doing something similar, and he is reviving that church. Now, what does it mean to have a revival or to be revived? Think about this for just a second. When I say that word, probably for many of you, the first thing that pops in your head is a tent in the middle of the field on maybe a hot summer day or hot fall day. But I know for many of you, you all were saved at a revival. How many of you were saved at a revival? Just raise your hand up if you were. Yeah, I know many of you all were. That's a good number in our church. So a lot of times in this area, that's what we think of when we hear the word revival or revive. Another aspect of revival that we think about is something dead coming back to life. Now, there's an aspect of revival that we could talk about that, something dead being revived or brought back to life. But listen to how the dictionary puts it, and I love this. An improvement in the condition or strength of something. An improvement in the condition or strength of something. Now, I know football uh, started this past week. If you ask any football coach, do you want an improvement to the condition or strength of your team? They're going to say, oh, yeah. And it doesn't matter how good that team is. He's going to say, I want to be better than we are right now. I want to be stronger. I want to be faster. I want to have better conditioning, better strength. All of these things, I want it. If you ask any employer, no matter where they work, do you want an improvement in the condition or strength of your team where you work and your employees and your culture in, in your workplace? They're going to say, yes, please. No matter how good or bad they think their work conditions are, they're going to say, yes, I want to see that as an improvement. The church here saw an improvement in the strength and condition of their church. They saw a revival. And how did they see it? Prayer. Prayer was what got them there. Christian, do you want to see a revival in your own walk with the Lord? An improvement in the strength or condition of your walk with the Lord, then it has to start with prayer. Parent, do you want to see an improvement in the strength or condition of your family for the Lord? Then it has to start with prayer. Husband, wife, do you want to see a revival take place in your marriage? Let me encourage you to pray together. And God will bless those prayers, and you'll see that strength, the condition of your marriage begin to improve when you start praying. Now, let me ask you this. Church member of Scottsville Baptist Church, do you want to see an improvement in the strength or condition 
of our church. No matter how good or bad you think it is, no matter how great you think we are or are not, do you want to see us get better, to be more effective? And if the answer is yes, then it has to start with prayer. Corporate prayer is powerful. It can unite us in our mission. It can align us with God and can revive us to do the work that he's called us to do. And as I reflect on our church's past, if you've been here for any time at all, there is something in our past, maybe multiple things in our past, that you can point to and you can say, remember when God did this? Remember when that awesome thing happened? Remember when that outreach was so successful that we did? Do you remember when we had that big Bible school that one year? Do you remember when that mission group went out on that mission trip years ago? Do you remember when? Do you remember when? There are many things that we can point to in the history of our church to say, man, wasn't God moving? Wasn't he doing something awesome? But don't we want to point to something today or in the future? And have something to talk about today or in the future. And if so, we have to start with prayer. This type of movement of God can only happen when a church humbly submits herself to God and says, work in our hearts, in us, and through, you, through us in only ways that you can. And today as our response, this has to be our response as a church, to pray. I'm going to ask Ken to come forward at this time. And this is going to be a little bit of a different commitment time. I'm going to lead us in a time of guided prayer for our church and for each one of us as individuals. I'm going to ask folks, if, if you would, to come forward if you feel able and willing to come forward. And if not, I'm going to ask you to pray where you are. Um, but if, if you would like to come forward, I'm going to ask you all to just come on now. Come on now. There's going to be no prayer before the prayer. We're going to just start praying in just a second. I'm going to ask you to come forward. You're willing and able. Come forward. And we're going to pray for the Lord to move how he wants to move in us, for him to shape our hearts as we sing about earlier, all those kind of things. And if you're not able to come forward, I want to, you're not like not praying. We want everybody to be praying at this part. All right. So let's all bow our heads where we are.